What's going on, Holy Hell family? This is Josh, one half of the Holy Hell podcast. And I'm going to be your host for our post-season interviews here on Holy Hell. To kick off this post-season interview, I had just like the immense honor of interviewing what I would think for me personally would be the most influential voice in my spiritual identity. His name is Rob Bell. And for a lot of us, Rob was a leading voice that began to either deconstruct our Christian upbringings or our Christian religions, or like you'll hear Rob say in this podcast, Rob gave us the language to expand the idea of God beyond just the evangelical boxes that we are given. And so I don't want to get into any more because we're going to get into a lot of things with Rob in this podcast, but I hope you really enjoy this interview with Rob Bell. Also, we miss posting things and then like interacting with all of you in the comments. We miss you guys so much. We're excited to kind of get back into this podcast here very, very soon. In the meantime, enjoy this amazing, beautiful conversation with Rob Bell. Are you still a coffee drinker? I had a coffee this morning. What's the, uh, what's the recipe? Like what's the, there's a place called Duchess. Duchess, not Dutch bros, right? Duchess is like a, I can't even explain it. It's like a bakery, restaurant, bar, music venue, social club, really nice restaurant for dinner. It's open all day. It's right over there. I walked over here from there. It's like the food and entertainment buffet for Ojai. It's done with like, I think the employees own most of it. So it's like this collective fine dining i just met the guy who roasts their coffee it's like a you could stay there all day and it would be six different places throughout the day you know what i mean and it's like uh and i the, i know the farmer the organic farmer who's been farming organically since 1974 who supplies them with a lot of their food so it's like a whole yeah before you leave the duchess right over there just just Go in the front door and like try to, and then walk to the back and be like, what is, you know what I mean? Like, what is this? It's like the place everybody dreams of having. I, um, owning a coffee <laughs> shop and being a coffee roaster. Yeah. I will have to go in without right. zero. You have to take that hat off. You got to take that hat off, which is mm -hmm. so hard, but I feel like that's what I need to do to understand exactly what Duchess, right? Yeah. You know that feeling, right. That, sorry, I interrupted. No, go for it. You know that feeling when, well, the shoes you're wearing, the yeah, you mentioned a the Tom Sachs film, uh, a building. It's like the opposite of a strip mall. It's that feeling when when you encounter something and you can feel the soul, the mind, the intention behind mm. it. It's like you, you can sense the love out of which it arose mm. is like mm. baked into its in the same way that if I was like, Hey, check out this Nazi jacket I bought on eBay, <laughs> you and your listeners, we all twitch and flitch right. like, wait, no, no, you don't. We don't, we don't do that. There's actually a, there's actually a whole body of interesting work on that. Like why is it certain things we want nothing 
Like our repulsion is so deep because of the association. But then on the flip mm. side, there are certain things where you're like, you're drawn to it, a particular fabric or a, like you walk into a restaurant and you're like, no, this, this isn't owned by some conglomerate in a, in a different state. This is, somebody cares about this and I can, I can feel it. It's like baked into the thing. Yeah, you can see you can see the identity of the person who mm-hmm. made that mm-hmm. the minute you walk in. There's like an imprint. Beautiful. Yeah. So if like that's why I think if you walked over to Duchess, you'd be like, man, what is that's this? a good world we live in. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> it's also, also an expensive cup of coffee. So well, there's mean, also that. <laughs> also that. Also that. All right, my friends, uh, we have a very, very special guest today. He is a New York Times bestseller. Some of his most well-known books like Love Wins, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, What is the Bible? He wrote a series of short films called Numa based off of his sermons, which you may have seen all over YouTube, which also started to completely unravel my entire evangelical faith. Um, Maybe you've seen him at one of his tours. He showed us the interwovenness of science and God in his tour. Everything is spiritual. He taught us that cynicism has no place in our human experience with the introduction to joy tour. And even for one of his tours, he went to the Bible Belt to talk about how America is a military economic empire, which is just such a badass move. Maybe your mom was flipping channels and you saw him do his thing on the Oprah Winfrey network, or maybe you were at the (laughs) checkout aisle in Walmart and you saw the big red words hell on the cover of Times Magazine talking about his book, Love Wins, no matter how you know him, if it's from Instagram, from Twitter or YouTube, or just seeing his face somewhere. He is a mentor, a teacher, a writer, and overall a spiritual hero to most of us. He has fought the good fight. He has finished his course with his spiritual work and in many ways uh, made us question our faith in the best of ways. But more than all those titles, he is a husband, he is a father, he's a salsa maker, he's a surfer, and a friend to many, my brothers and sisters. Yes, this is episode number nine, and it is with Rob Bell. (laughs) Rob, thank you for being here, my friend. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm just fascinated that there's something in there that I finished. Not aware of that. <laughs> Telling me things about myself I didn't know. Uh, how are you? How's your day been so far? It's good. Good. Mm-hmm. We just I have a beloved a... friend in town. So I just saw him. It's the best. We'll Amazing. go surfing later. Amazing. Yeah, it's all great. Do you surf? How's the surf here versus you, you subvert, uh, it's great. surf over it, it's in It's like really great. Amazing. Okay. Uh, there's a, a number of places like just, I don't know. 20 minutes, 25 minutes away. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Today we are talking about his new book, Where'd You Park Your Spaceship, which is a vast shift in the course of his life's work, at least in the public eye. So we're going to be talking about that to kind of kicks off today. Rick Rubin once said, there is a tremendous power in using the least amount of information to get a point across. No reason to take the audience by the hand and walk them through the work. Sometimes it's enough just to offer clues. I feel like a lot of your life's work was relaying information. This is mm. how it's been given to you. Here is a new way 
um, a new curiosity, a new way to imagine what this whole thing is. Here is some of the facts. Here's this, here's that, and here's this. But this book is a story that leaves out many, I, I would argue, and we're going to get into it in a little bit, a lot of, there's a lot of central themes throughout the book, but you don't, I would argue intentionally, you do not tell us what the book exactly is trying to convey. Is that because you want us to pick up on our own little clues as we walk through the book on our own? What a great question. You think about that feeling when you're watching a movie and the message is so hitting you over the head that you turn to the person you're with and you're like, oh God, very so on the nose, heavy handed on the nose. It's like paint by numbers. It's like, ugh. So there's something about a story or you even think about like Bob Dylan lyrics the person surrendered it wasn't even in their field of vision that there was the thing you were supposed to see they don't even know what it is it's just coming through yeah it's all it's as if the the storyteller surrenders their control over what it means to you and just follows the story and that's what opens it up so that you see all kinds of things. But then the person next to you afterwards at dinner is like, oh, this uh, man, it really hit me that one scene. And you're like, that's the scene that hit you. And yeah, for like 30 years, like you said it really well, at the core of my work was like, there's a like explaining, teaching, like parsing, naming. And like when somebody, when you've had an experience and somebody can, somebody names it for you like what a gift um like the distinctions the differences language itself is like yeah it's, it's a that's an amazing thing that a gift we give each other but yeah something happened in my life a couple of years ago and the story and i'd written some plays and had, had written one novel but something about this play was this this story was like do you want to like you don't have to explain anymore if you don't want to. And the story was so, as soon as I realized it was multiple books, as soon as it's like 400 pages, 500 pages, six, there's something about its size and volume and how, what it was doing to me way in here that I would like type, I would like write for a week and then read what I'd written and be like, I could feel kind of what it was about in me at some point heart subconscious unconscious yeah so it took me somewhere and there was a very clear oh i'd like to do this can i do almost like can i do this is that okay can i be done explaining i mean in one of your recent podcasts you mentioned that you had this like paranormal experience (laughs) with seeing uh seeing jesus oh yeah jesus the christ he like showed up. last name the Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, because I a lot of my work over the years was in the Jesus tradition. So it was like, what does it mean to turn the other cheek? Oh, that's actually a that's actually about nonviolence. Nonviolence works in a particular way. Um, but there were I kept having these very like surreal guerrilla theater performance art, mm-hmm. almost like a fugue state trance yes. where Jesus the Christ was like, Hey, you've been telling my stories for a long time almost like good job but uh it's getting awkward (laughs) it's like it's like he's like but you have like 
clearly you've been sitting at your desk every day, all day for a number of months now. Mm. Clearly you have stories to tell. So he's funny. So it's what you're saying. He's like 10 steps ahead. Funny, super direct and straightforward and also totally in on the joke and absurd. There's like a psychedelic dimension, but then there's also this like unflinching. You're fine. Mm. You're fine. Mm. You're fine. Exactly. Like you even think about, um, you think about like, uh, the explosion of, of therapy in the past few years, which is great. Mm. People getting therapy. And so and so's getting therapy, and so and so's getting therapy. It's it's wonderful. People are going into their histories and going into the thing behind the thing and all that. But there's also ever so subtly can be you're broken and you need fixing. And it can almost become an identity. I'm in therapy, I'm broken and I need fixing. Which which can be beautiful and liberating and healing and f- finding your truer self. It can also become a story and identity, another clinging and grasping. Yes. That uh if I could just get another insight, then. Mm. Um, so yeah, there was something about Jesus the Christ who was like, "Hey, do you want you want to be done?" It was like a serious permission giving, and that's the trap. If you go around the world handing out permission slips for however many decades, yeah, you have to like rob bell yourself. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was very tender and vulnerable, and like. Hmm. Yeah, I had like a real, yeah, it's called Where'd You Park Your Spaceship. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, like, a, like a, yeah, that's what we're going to do next. Amazing. Let's follow this and see where it goes. We're definitely going to get into this book. That's what I, I, And I, I love the universe. I'm hoping for the, like the, <laughs> like the Pitto Piddle Network the one day. That's it's going to be amazing, amazing. I can see it. I can see, I, I'm wanting origin stories. I'm wanting a lot good. of origin stories. Good, good, good. Through this. Good. Good, good. I, I'm wanting more of a prequel. I'm actually just going to give you my wish list for okay. the. <laughs> I, I would love a post or a pre-apocalyptic prequel. Oh, okay. A little bit more into the story of like how the hell did that whole thing end? How now are there hundreds of of different planets that yeah. other people come from? I would love to hear because maybe Earth what we know of earth is not part of that universe. Maybe this earth is, maybe it's yeah, not. Right. I'd be really interested to know how the whole thing, how the whole thing comes out and not to where it's like kind of like too late in the game. See, this is why this is experience is to me has just been like, unlike anything I've ever done. Right. Interviews about this book are the most interesting. Cause, cause no, like that right there. You, that's so good. That's so interesting. Yeah, because these conversations must be built built off of imagination, not polemic statements, right? Yeah. Interesting. I love... Yeah, good, good. That's really... That's great. That's great. I love that you want backstories. Oh, I... <laughs> yes. I absolutely... I, I want to know more about... Even... We're going to get into it, but even like teaching, mentors, education... A very, and I don't want to give it away, but like... Uh, some of the major movements throughout parts of the book um, have these centralized themes around education and this uh, the system of educational uh, giving education to someone. And I'm really interested to maybe have some teaching slash mentor prequels as well one day. But yeah, you have the rest of your life for this one. So good. Yeah, yeah there's an int- yeah. It's interesting you say that because 
when Heen, the main character, mm-hmm. his dad is telling him how school was, and he's like, "Well, how is school for you?" It Heen only knows his education as subversive, brilliant. He never knows what's right. going to happen. He's super right. stimulated. It's kind of dangerous, and I love him just describing how it is. Like he's he's almost like befuddled that there would be that educate his schooling would be something else. So it's so fascinating how in a story there's just a given reality and the characters just live in that reality and are sort of like amused that there might be some other way to do it, which has its like you can make a bunch of points about this our education system, blah, blah, blah. But just in the story, the education system is this way and it has this like super fascinating power because you're like, well, you could do it that way. Yeah, yeah. We could do it that way. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, so fascinating. <laughs> and I mean, oh, okay. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I, I want to maybe hit on something that I, I think <laughs> deeply resonates with, with me and my, my life, my life's work, my human experience when it comes to like, yes, God and what that means in the things that I make in the name of all of it. But you said you had to rob bell yourself. <laughs> And I love that. Like you had to take a dose of your own because you've been telling us for years to go quit your jobs if that's not what you feel like you should be doing right now. Um, yeah. And you did in some ways. You yeah. You quit your yeah. job. That had to be. That had to be scary. There had to be so much nerves to that. But also, like I feel inside of you every time I hear you tell that story a sense of freedom, a sense of releasing. Yeah. So I'm curious to know then, um, going into this next line of work, is it a balance of those emotions of, I hope this works out. I hope people read this. I hope I don't have to revert back to the thing because the, you know, electric bill is due next month. Is it a mix of that with, Oh, there's no way there's no chance I would ever go back to doing something else other than writing this this universe. The mind is clearer and emptier than that. So okay. it, it's not I'm trying to think how to say it. It's not a whole series of I hope, I hope, I hope. It's oh look, an email from a guy named Josh. Let's do that. Mm, mm. Um, and it's not I love all the earlier Robs yeah. it's like transcendent include mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it isn't like oh that was it's just yeah that's great yeah. it's a great chapter now it's over Yeah, it's nice that's over yeah. it's like a death brings about a birth mm-hmm. and, and a, a, a wonderful to me definition of death is letting go so there's a thing you let go of mm. maybe a moment you're not holding anything, and then the new thing comes in. Mm. And so after a while, however, whatever fears or nerves or just like, you also, it's how it works. So it's almost like each round, you're, we're fine. We've always been fine. We're fine. There's still a roof. (laughs) So... It's almost like you begin to see this is how it works. Yeah. So so I uh I've been writing for a a while. 
on this. And the story, we were way into the story. And I remember one coming into the house one day and saying to Kristen, like, uh, my normal jobs, quote, end of quote, air quotes, jobs, I've been doing those like at the end of the day or on weekends or early morning. Like, but I've actually been back there in the backyard in the back house typing the story. And it's like about this planet. There's this guy named Dill Tud. And I don't know what it is. I've never had made anything like this in the sense of how the joy. For me, writing was always a couple hours in the morning, maybe. And then can I please go out and play? Like, ugh. Um, and this was like, drop my daughter off at school, sit down, start writing. Oh my God, it's time to pick her up from school. <laughs> um, and I said to Kristen, I don't know. Where I'm like ordering my whole day around this story and it's doing something. Sometimes I like the scenes and I don't even know sometimes what it's about. I just know it's tapping into grief, loss, euphoria, joy, pain. And I don't know if I'm ever going to publish it. I don't know if anybody cares. I don't know. And she's like, yeah, how else would it work? So this is fascinating where for her, yeah, yeah, you try something, you'd rearrange your life around it. You also have these other, you're sort of almost like you're your own patron. You also have what was the thing you're doing becomes almost like the side hustle. So you can do this thing. That's oftentimes when I meet people like, I'd love to do that, but you know, I got to pay the bills and it'll just, well, what if you in your own head became your own patron? Just, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know, like, I know people who are like, yeah, I went and got a job at Home Depot so I could do what I love. Yeah, so I go to fund myself. And I'm answerable to myself, and I'm free at some sort of way. And whatever hours I do at whatever place that I work, I smile and think, they don't even realize what they're funding. How great is this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, there's a rearrangement that can happen in your the furniture in your head around it. You mentioned early on... <laughs> You used to hand out permission slips to people. <laughs> I I would argue that there are probably a lot of people watching this, listening to this podcast, that are just waiting for someone to hand them a permission slip for them to go do the thing that they know they're supposed to do in the world. Uh, can you give our folks a permission slip? No, and that's the really interesting thing about it. You write your own. So p- part of the like the psychic structure, part of the way the mind is often structured is there is an inherent authority structure. So so the person who says, man, this is out of the box. Man, I'm telling you, this is crazy. This is out of the box. The box is still running the show. The box is still that by which the thing is assessed. So, uh, it may be outside of the box, but the box is still determining what it is. It's still defining itself by its out-of-the-boxness, as opposed to there's a box. Um, so generally, what we have a voice on our shoulder. It's a mentor. It's an authority structure. It's an expert. It's some person that we've seen do it on some, to us, massive scale. And something rises within us that's asking for expression. It's asking for expression through us. And that voice is like, yeah, but uh, so-and-so does it this way. 
And so there's a there's this disruption because it's inviting you to follow it and give it expression. Or the number of people will just say, yeah, but people have talked about that or people have done coffee. Yeah, but you haven't. And there's some way that you do it that is how you do it that will integrate all the best of what you've seen. It'll duct tape together little bits and pieces of different people. And it also will be how you do it. And it will be a moment. Oftentimes there's a moment of like, yeah, your mentor wouldn't do it this way. Your extended family won't understand. And, and, and the person, if you really do the self-inquiry, you don't even understand. Like think about your life in the arc. You can kind of explain it. You're a journalist. You kind of, you kind of understand coffee, nonprofits telling good stories. It's also even mysterious to you. So, try, so expecting some brother-in-law to understand your life choices. Why'd you move here? Why'd you move there? San Francisco, Indianapolis. Like, um, you, you and your partner kind of understand. And it's also, we're wildly mysterious to ourselves. <laughs> so oftentimes the person is like waiting for everybody around them to understand what they're doing. Yeah. You barely understand. We get these pings and hints and glimpses and deep convictions about, let's go do that. Okay. Let's go do that. Okay, so then outside of spaceships, which uh, I have so many questions how sci-fi even got involved into this. I've never read sci-fi. So that was my question. Like, well, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Otherwise, I don't have any experience with sci-fi sure, yeah. that I know of. Interesting. Uh, films? So somebody even said, what makes this, I mean, other than blah, 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 in one interview, what makes this sci-fi? And I was like, you don't hear me saying that. Right. Yeah. Who are you talking to? You don't, you don't hear me claiming that. I don't know. Right. I mean, I feel like <laughs> the narrative is about um, uh, what happens after something ends in a whole new version of not only our identities, but civilizations have to figure out what to do next. That is a, yeah. a, a big part of it. It just so happens they used a rocket to get there. <laughs> Hence us using phrases like sci-fi. <laughs> That's so fascinating. Okay, so... By the uh, way, I, interesting what you said just there. Uh, it just hit me the other day. In the, the discussions I've had about this book, mm. immediately go to how we actually care for our bodies for the earth. How we actually... All the questions you're asking that are actually about loss, permission, fear. So uh, what's re what was fascinating to me the other day, which I hadn't thought about this in a, a decade or something, in 2011, I, I wrote a book that came out called Love Wins. And I, uh, in it's like five robs ago, I can barely remember it. But um, it was about how heaven and hell are, are present states of consciousness. They're like the kind of world we're actually creating now with the, the way that we live and move. So it was a book taking... What for people are these conceptual ideas about what happens when you die and going, that, what do you even know about it? That's, that's absurd. Like, no, let's, let's move heaven and hell to the present and see it as present states of peace or joy or anguish or torment or the kinds of worlds we're actually creating. So, so it was taking something conceptual and trying to help people understand it in a very visceral, everyday, the kind of world we're actually creating right now. And what was interesting in interviews about that book is how many of the books were like, but where is Hitler? Or like, 
that all wanted to take the book and make it what happens when you die. Interesting. Like so many of the interviewers was like, no, this is, I don't care. I don't know. No one knows. So it was like people trying to drag it back to conceptual debates about sometime, someplace. Also known as like most of, for many people, what they would call Christian doctrine is about some other time and some other place. And basically just how is your intellectual furniture arranged? Here's how mine's arranged. So I wrote a book about what people see as concepts. And the attempt was to help people see it in the most this world right now. And then write a book about some other world, some other time. Right. And the discussions immediately go to very visceral this real. Oh, you see what I'm saying? That is fascinating. How fascinating. And that wasn't intentional. That just was, that just came out of you I in that way. I just noticed right away when I started a couple friends, I would send this like first draft. I was like, hey, I've written this thing. Would you take a look at it? And first off, they all said, this is the most personal book you've written. I'm like, what the? Absolutely. Yeah. And then secondly, we were into their own experiences of grief, loss, numbness, imagination, architecture. Yeah. Um, so I just noticed that we were into the most heart-centered, open up our rib cages. Who are you? Who am I? What is this experience we're having? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, going back to your question about sci-fi... If uh, whatever genre it is, that's not interesting to me. But how is it that a story mm. and the more absurd, mm. like like as you saw, I made up all the names until yeah. like whatever page five hundred, a guy named Bobby Freelance shows up. Right, yeah. Otherwise, all the <laughs> names are made up from scratch. All the planet names, you and at every juncture, when I was like, should I explain this or not? Should nope. Um. Mm. Mm. Uh. Somehow that making up of a whole absurd imaginary thing gets you and I closer to who you are and who I am and yeah. this encounter we're having. Yeah, yeah. Which, mm. <laughs> I mean that. You sound. That to me is fascinating. You sound. Um, you sound free. Like you sound. You sound like you are at peace with the work that you did. And yes, it was good. Yes, it did what it needed to do in this mm. world. And you're onto something new. But it doesn't sound like the Rob that I've seen in interviews past. It's not the Rob that I saw in the first iteration of the introduction to, to Joy or the poets, pastors and preachers. Like it's it's a different it's a different Rob. <laughs> and I, I feel like so many people want to go into that world. Want to. Yeah. I, I don't know. Would, would you say it's more of you evolving into someone new or you actually just continuing to dig deep into you to see more of who you really are at the core of who you are? Both. Okay. I bet your listeners have had that experience. This feels brand new like a giant swerve, like, whoa, look at me, wow. And strangely enough, like a return mm-hmm. to who I've been the whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I very much feel that. I very much feel that. Was 
the plays that you're working on now, the the novels that you're writing, was that always something you were doing behind the scenes? And then you had like your day job or is this like a new, a newer thing for you? Well, I, I now can see how often in a sermon I'd be like, and then, you know, Keith from the accounting department comes down the hall and he's like, how do you think the Vikings game was this weekend? You're like, oh God, Keith talking about the Vikings. I was there were always these little appearances of these, and I'd watch the <laughs> the audience be like, "Who's Keith?" I I realized I was always making up characters and scenes, and then your neighbor Barbara is like, "Sorry about your lawnmower, but I didn't see it. I have a new Honda Pilot, and it's hard to see." But like like I just all these weird riffs on these characters who were coming and going, so I could see where I always have been names, what they were wearing. He was wearing a green cardigan with wingtips that he purchased new, but they're now 42 years old, but he wears them every day because you just can't. He's wearing Sansa belt from the French without a belt. Like I would, like I would like descriptions, scenes. I can realize there's bits and pieces of that all along. I also remember my family, Kristen and I think all three kids, read the Harry Potter from start to finish the books okay. and were just, they were like in the house being discussed and I didn't read them just recently. My daughter and I watched the movie straight through. She's like, can we, can we watch the movie straight through? But it did while I was writing this all of a sudden one day I was like, how come you never read? It's so odd that your family would all be reading these massive sprawling novels and you wouldn't. And it's like, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, cause you wanted to do that. It was like weird. It was like a little, like, not jealous. Oh, maybe jealousy. No, it's like a, like, oh, she gets to do that. Mm. Mm. And I got like, I'm responsible. I'm doing my, I have my job. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's something about our senses of debt, duty, obligation, responsibility. Sure. I have this thing that I do. Yeah. yeah. And then you just, I do. Who, where'd that come from? Well, what if I just want to do this? <laughs> so, no, it went really, really deep. Yeah, it went really deep for me. Even back to my family and this world that I grew up in that I was trying to make sense of. Yeah, like a uh, uh, very, very uh, God, what's the word? Like exposed, vulnerable feeling arose of oh, you were born into this world. Where you went to church and there's this thing that was super important to your parents and your grandparents. And I could see that my work was actually really, really personal. I was trying to understand where I came from. Mm-hmm. I like went to seminary. <laughs> like what? Um, I remember thinking, I'm going to, why am I, I'm going to seminary? Um, I realized now I was trying to understand what I came from. And even this giant... American violent military industrial capitalist machine that got that had a baby with the Christian faith and produced this super super massive destructive monolith that also has all this goodness in it this giant hairball of a thing that produces such incredibly volatile and 
emotion and response in so many people around the world, whether it's like the, you just go down the list of ways that this thing is like a, it's just a one bomb after another inside people and actual bombs. And, uh, so I can see in some ways how I was trying to understand what it is and like, okay, this, yeah, that's like a beautiful right there. And this right here, let's leave that behind. (laughs) And that's helpful. And that's, there's something about that, like parsing, that pulling apart, like turn the other cheek, nonviolence, Martin Luther King. That's beautiful. Like that, that's beautiful. Um, but then this over here, um, the, the, the masculine imagery that's just baked into its core that oh, for a woman is no matter how, whatever evolved, expanded, cool, hip, progressive, it's fundamental imagery is male right and so many men don't get that yeah Mm. um so so a part of it was also seeing how the how personal the work actually was Mm. i just happened to have a microphone Mm. standing on a stage oh you know what i mean yeah i mean i i really like you 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 want to think of yourself as aware and doing the work and you've done the therapy and you're like and then I would have moments writing this book where I'd be like oh dude <laughs> you didn't you had no clue how personal this whole thing actually was and there's some sense of good good if, if somebody wants a resurrection sermon there's probably 20 on the internet you're gonna have you can have one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I did that was what a, what a wonderful thing I got to do mm. Mm. you does have strong emotion doesn't it where we come from yeah because i just gave that up yeah um or 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 notice notice how the story that you're telling about it or you are now embodying it in such a more full body josh way like if you and i go for a bike ride when you were a kid you learned to ride a bike so somebody was like, pedal, pedal, steer, don't hit the mailbox. So there were these words coming at you as you went down the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Steer, pedal, don't. Yeah. But then what happened is you gradually learned how to ride a bike to the point where if you and I right now went and got bikes around the corner to ride, I probably wouldn't look over and you were like, Josh, pedal, 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 don't hit the mailbox. Yeah. So what happened is the words became flesh. Mm-hmm. And now it's just called riding a bike. Mm. So... you received these gifts and it shaped and formed you and what it asks for is an embodiment. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. lots of experience where they are ruined by talking mm. a movie, a good piece of music, sex, a sunset, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait, wait, stop, stop. Mm. Let's just have the experience. Yeah. Um, mm. So for lots of people, they're like, I, I left it. I left it. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's one story you could tell. You could also tell you got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You, you got it. It's amazing. I mean, you just relayed the majority of at least your public and some of your personal life in the last 15, 20 minutes. Uh, what are, 
I mean, what are all the feelings? Like, what are you feeling right now after just kind of telling us that story of your upbringing from the house you grew up in all the way to now? What are all the things going on inside of you? Yeah, it's quite quiet. Mm. So think about the word should. Mm. I should have done this. I should have done that. Well, you didn't. Mm. Or they should have done this. Or they should have done that. Or even even people should care more about the environment. Mm. A should says, in my mind, there is what happened. There is how it actually is. There's reality. And then in my mind, uh, I want it to be something other than it was or is. Well, what you just did in your mind is pick a fight with reality. Right, right. So we're blaming it, mm. the pain on, oh, but you, no, the pain's in here. Right. You picked a fight with reality and reality always wins. Mm. So telling you about it, it's what happened. Yeah. So I could, I don't know what we, we feel, what? Shame, judgment, paranoia, failure. But it's what happened. Mm. So you could feel all those things, but you picked a fight with reality. Mm. And then, so peace is your true nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harmony with how things are is your true nature. And then we gotta attach all these stories mm, yeah. we just make about it should be they should be she shouldn't well she does mm. they do yeah so at some point and 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 then people are like yeah but what about activism well if you actually want to change things you're going to have to begin from a place of peace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. otherwise you're like drowning telling people how not to drown you don't have anything you can't help like the act the activist the catalyst the the person who's actually tilting things there's actually a very peace peace there's a peace and calm at the center amazing the person who's actually changing the world would never use the phrase changing the world right because that would imply the world needs changing Mm -hmm. which once again you picked a fight with how it is yeah yeah. Not fascinating how that works. It's so fascinating. I mm-hmm. love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so telling you about what it's been like. I'm telling the truth about what it's been like. Yeah, it's actually yeah. quite calming. Oh. It's actually quite fun to talk about. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, so in the book. Yes. Um there. So, it, the, and again, I'm not going to give away too much of the book because you need to go read it. <laughs> I love I, it. I have questions, but I don't. Want to ask? Them oh yeah, ask, ask a question that's a super spoiler question. No, mm-mm. Oh, oh, interesting. I can't, I can't you have a spoiler I can't, code? Okay, I, and that's just a me thing. Yeah, mainly because we were briefly talking about the bear right before this. The bear oh. season two came out. Which, oh yeah, right, right, right. You can't tell about the Tom Brown uh, outfit. Cannot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> don't spoil what happens. Oh my god! And some of the character development in season two. 
Good Lord. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. tell me mm-hmm. about the episode with his Richie. parents' house. Oh, my God. Richie's. Okay, so we can't talk about the bear. We can't mm-hmm. talk about. Richie's um, internship. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was, are, so are you a fan? You're a mm-hmm. fan of the bear. I literally showed. Wait, I was about to name an actor who appears at the end of an episode. Surprises you in the kitchen when he comes around the corner. Oh, yes. And she's yes. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I showed I showed Kristen that scene. Yeah. Knowing that you don't have to know anything with some of those scenes. You have you don't need any context. Right. Succession was similar in that way. Mm-hmm. You can show somebody a scene. They're walking through the house, you're watching it. And they stop and end up sitting down to watch a scene in which they have no context. Mm, mm-hmm. It's that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is. Oh. Fascinating, layered, just good. Right. Yeah. Curious. <laughs> We're on a total side tangent. This will be for Patreon only, maybe. But um, episode one, or not episode one, season one, the the chaos kitchen episode. Do you remember that episode? Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that? That whole episode, like what was happening? Were you anxious? Were you at peace during that episode? It actually gave me, uh, I remember thinking, oh, I didn't understand. Oh, the great chef. Oh, now I see why these, there are these chefs who become known as like, you know, people talk about them like. Celebrity chefs isn't the word, but like the chefs who people talk about, like so and so is a legend. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is a person who is calm. Mm. If there isn't, like, the scene is so chaotic that you see how calm a person would have to be to do that day in and day out. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that show just amps. Well, you don't know. I, I I don't have any experience of that to know whether that's. But yeah, you sense like they're capturing something. Yeah. yeah. That is not sustainable. Interesting. The whole thing yeah. is not sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're the calm or numb. They're just numb to the entire thing to a point to where this is what I have to be in order oh, to yeah, do Yeah, my nervous system is like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Ugh. Okay, no more bear talk. Good <laughs> Lord, I love that show. Okay. In the book, um, there is definitely a narrative arc of grief that happens periodically throughout the book mm-hmm. and i'm wondering where that comes from and why grief was a central theme to this book especially being book one of a whole universe why why maybe not why you chose that why did that come out of you oh yeah i have, well first i have no idea secondly i probably do have an idea thirdly He's, he he realizes decades in that he's super numb. But he also keeps wondering if he's the best series five in the universe. Right, like yeah. he wonder I think I'm the best person at my job in the universe. Yeah, he's he's aware of all the things that really don't matter. Right. And right. Yeah. So he's like so he so he begins to wonder, I think I'm the best at my job in the universe, but I think it's because I'm really numb. So he's uh. wondering if He's standing at a distance from his own life, which is why he's so good at the job. Yeah. And and then what I found so compelling about him is when he lands on this one planet. I think at one point he says, I think, mm-hmm. um, like it says 138th planet. And he keeps going, what is it about this planet? Yeah. And, and 
you, the reader, once again, like I didn't write it, um, are like, wait, is it, he keeps saying, what is it about Furtis? But is it Furtis or is it, why do we see things at certain points? Is it San Francisco or is it just, this is the point in your life when you saw it? Which I think is a fascinating question about consciousness itself. Um, But when he does start to feel, Mm -hmm. the first, he's coming out of this numbness, but what he doesn't feel is like a oneness with all things or a euphoria. What he feels is supernatural annoyance and irritation at this guy, Dil Tud. So I thought it was really interesting if somebody who's realizing how his grief has created a numbness in him, when he does start to thaw, the first Mm. feelings aren't pleasant. They're like hot pokers. Which I just, as that sort of unfolded, why, and the familiarity Dill Tud has with him, which just makes him insane. Right. Who is this guy who acts like you've known each other? His first feelings aren't like a warm, fuzzy love for all creation. Right. Yeah. His first feelings are just like, if this is feeling, feeling is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then ever so gradually all these other, I just thought that was like, and then uh, one note was in the beginning, uh, some of the notes from people who read it were like, wow. The action doesn't really start till Nunier shows up. Way into the book is when it actually kicks in gear. Okay. So you got to go on this whole thing with this guy while he grows up. And I, that was another moment of like the voice on your shoulder. Should I just start with the action when the thing really kicks in? But I was like, I sat with it for months. No, you have to be with this guy for a really long time. You have to feel his numbness so that that's like the interesting editorial moves. No, you have to feel the numbness so that when he starts to feel, and I remember thinking, yeah, you this like lots of readers might be like, I'm out. Yeah. And then be like, okay. Yeah, that was a huge moment for me. Because the because I kept listening to it and it kept telling me, no trust 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 that. Yeah. If you go on this with this guy, if you hang in there, stuff will happen way into it, and you get there honestly. People will get there honestly, and then, yeah, people. I I sent the book to people who finished it, and then we're like, I can't talk about this for a while. I'm oh, so shook. I can't talk about this, Rob. I can see that. And at first, I was. And at first, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, yeah." I remember thinking, "What this story has done to me, it's doing to other people." Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, this definitely feels That's, like the most personal book you've ever yeah, read, yeah. ever written. Uh-huh. Speaking uh-huh. of you writing books, yeah. you're. This is this is fascinating to me. You're talking about it like you didn't write it. Though. <laughs> I know a number of times in interviews, the first interview I did about the book, the guy stopped, the lovely guy, very scholarly, very intelligent man stopped 25 minutes in. He was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you're talking like you didn't write it. And in that moment I had this, uh, do I back away? And I remember, I remember like seeing it like playing out in slow motion. Do I back away and be like, yeah, I know it's kind of weird, huh? Or do I double down? Yeah, what a gift. And I remember, I remember bef- as I thought about, do I double down? I already, out of my mouth was coming. I know that's what, that's what just intrigues me about Dil Tud is you never know what he's going <laughs> to say. And I just, yes. like, 
You know what I mean? I just uh, like, was like, oh no, I see how this is going to go. Yeah. So how this book then came out of you, it was a whole different experience then compared to other things. I feel like this book is yes. happening to you versus yes. other books where you're just yes, yes, spewing yes. the things. Interesting. Yeah, and I could see... Well, like the lineage, it's almost like I could see the world I came from, not denial. Yeah, some denial. But I could see the Protestant Reformation. Is this guy named Martin Luther who puts 95 theses. Mm-hmm. Here's, what we'll do. Here's what we'll do about the pain of life. We'll put a list of things on a door. Mm. I could just see the stuck in the headness. Sure. This person believes this. This person believes this. This person's a, uh, like this person's an atheist. This person's a Christian. This person's a, this labeled that. Like mm. I could see all the, the Western tradition as a whole. Yeah. There's a new study from Stanford. It's all fine. There's a new study from Stanford that has the data on meditation. Um, just heads talking to heads, minds talking mm-hmm. to minds. Um, the disembodiment of the Western intellectual tradition. They gave us all these wonderful, we have iPhones. I mean, all these one, science, scientific method, inquiry, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, academia, all, all this. Lovely. It's just, I'm like, could see myself as the son of a lineage that intelligence. So so and so did really well on the SAT. They went to Harvard. Yeah, that means they filled in the right ovals. Yeah, yeah. We don't know if they even live in their body mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. Which is why now you hear so many people talking about intuition, embodiment. What do you have for breakfast? All yeah. these questions are suddenly the questions everybody's talking about. How do you actually live? Um, so I could see. I could see the what was happening in me about my body and my heart and not needing to understand. Mm-hmm. Like the in, your intellect is a wonderful servant. It's not a very good master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for many people, the thought and the intellect is so tightly attached to the sense of self. If the thought arises, I am not worthy, I am not worthy. If the feeling or sense perception of sadness, I am sad. And the great, the great move of fullness and maturity is to move to the where there is the, the Josh self in which all of this is arising and you're noticing it and observing it. Oh, look, sadness. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at the unworthy thought. There it is. I wonder where that came from. Let's follow it back to its cave. But for so many people, the thought and the mind is totality. As opposed to your mind is something happening within you. Also called meditation. But for many people, meditation means I sit still. That's boring. No, no. Most interesting thing in the world to observe the mind. Fascinating. So I, I could see that the story had something. It was... It was helping me yeah, it was helping integrate something that was asking to be integrated. Yeah, so, so in some ways there was a flip. My work for years, I was operating within this lineage, infu- hopefully infusing it with heart and a kind of honesty and creativity, whatever words people would use. 
we'd use about that. Sure. And then it like flipped. About 2019, I distinctly am having a couple of experiences in which it like almost like it flipped to the center and the mind serving the center. And suddenly I could see all the thoughts. Like, like oh God, there's living, pe- people talk about living in your head. Yeah. I, I had been trying to infuse the head, yeah. which, was all, which was all great. And then all of a sudden it flips or something yeah. <laughs> or it settles. Or I don't even know how to describe it. Oh. But yeah, this was all part of it because I would sob writing this book. Oh, I'm sure. There were yeah. moments when I wouldn't even know why. Yeah. And what's interesting is my, my dad passed away early this year. Mm-hmm. So he died in June, but he had Alzheimer's and I had probably, yeah, actually now I think about it. It was around the time I started writing the book. When I visited him, he would ask my mother who I was. So there was this experience of being with my dad, but him being like, where do you live? You should find a good woman. He would just say stuff and I'd be like, you have kids? He would like ask me questions about my life. Um, so yes, yeah, all kinds of things were happening. So you making things then, is that a way for you to release some of the things that then happened to you in your life? Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And it's almost like you'd find it out later. Yeah. I started painting and I noticed just how much, and that was like almost took it the whole way of, I don't even know why this color. I just know that like I started, I started scavenging kitchen cabinets from 1940s ranch houses that were being remodeled and demoed around here in Ojai. So now I like drive around slowly. It's like that movie Raised in Arizona and he's like Nicolas Cage, young Nicolas Cage was like, I found myself driving by convenience stores that weren't even on the way home. Um, so I, ha- so I like my neighbor, Johnny, neighbor julia caught like these people down on uh whatever the street over there like i've been painting doing nice paintings and all these old kitchen cabinets and i noticed that was like really helped me see because if you think i don't know why this color i don't know why i'm experimenting with dropping doing these acrylic pore mediums and dropping them from different heights to see what the splatter does mm. <laughs> i don't mm. i don't know why that thrills me and why that painting is just, I can't stand it. It's awful. <laughs> so uh, all of it was like part of some, yeah, some liberation from needing to understand everything. Yeah, a release of some sort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I have some rapid fire questions Good. maybe to wrap things up today. Before we get to that one, I need to know personally, will we have Piddle Piddle merch? Is that coming? Thank you. Please tell me that's coming. There are official discussions happening at the moment. Yes. It feels I'm like s- a coffee mug for some reason, but I don't know. What are your suggestions? No, uh, I mean, I own a coffee shop. I, I will supply our shop with said Piddle Piddle Cups. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. Do we need to do okay. a Piddle Piddle blend? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's Done. Done. You do a Piddle Piddle blend, and I will tell i'll like talk about it on the robcast and i'll instagram it and <laughs> tell everybody i know about your coffee what would that blend even be like like half like just 
charred, terrible, this just sucks. No. Bean. It has to be awesome. Well, I mean, yes, it will be. But, like, I got to figure out. You know when they, at the end, when he has those shelves. Yes. What if it had a couple... I got it. I know. I got it. Done, right? Don't don't give it away. I got it. Done, right? Oh, man. Are we actually going to do this? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. Rapid fire. I mean, that, that, obviously there should probably be a Lansing, like, what is she serving in the place, in the coffee shop? Like, just a straightforward, just right down the middle Lansing blend. But then obviously a piddle piddle. Maybe, like, in subtext, we just put, tastes great with bread. You heard it here, people. This is how all of your listeners who are like, how do people make things? <laughs> this is how it happens. Pretty much like this. This is exactly how it happens. Okay. Yeah, we don't do dreams. We take steps. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we quit our day jobs. We go work at Home Depot. And then we write things when we can. Okay. Rapid fire question. Number one, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had the Duchess makes a salt bagel. Mm, which mm. I can't even explain how good it is. And a coffee, but then my friends who are in town got the full breakfast and only could eat half, so I ended up finishing off their plates. Yes. Good. Good. I love it. Um, current favorite binge in whatever that means for you. Do you know what Eurodeck, my neighbor who's an inventor, told me about these, he called it Eurodeck, these... Uh, all the different bits that make up a synthesizer, um, somebody is making them. I couldn't even really understand what he was explaining. These boxes and there are these racks. And so a musician will take these boxes that each have different sounds. And some of them, the sound is activated by how light or dark it is. And then they have all these wires and they have these shelves and they put all these little boxes, which are different sounds on these shelves and then hook up different ones to different ones. And it creates a music, but it's not like a music it's that you've like ever heard. Uh, Helene Vogel singer. What was this called again? Um, he kept saying Eurodeck. Eurodeck, okay. But there's a Helene. It's, I can't, it's like music, but you're listening going, what am I listening to? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm bookmarking Helene this. Helene Vogel singer. And like there's YouTube videos of her playing out by an ocean on a whole pile of rocks and she's surrounded by these little boxes and I'm, I don't even know what it is, but it like doesn't follow normal time signatures and the sounds. It's kind of like Brian Eno tripping, maybe. Like, okay. okay. Like if Brian Eno was a bird. <laughs> yeah. So this is okay. like you, you meet like a designer inventor who tells you about a thing and then you sends you a link and then you watch it and now you're like. Yeah. Mm. It's a long explanation for a very short round question. Best tacos in LA. Wait, are you still vegan? You were vegan, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes vegan. Los Angeles. I don't Uh, know if that plays a part in this answer or not. Salazar is at an old gas station. It's an out. They took it a body shop or a gas station and turned it into a taco place in Frog Town called Salazar. Literally have one of those right next to my studio in Portland. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, is it cash only? Because that's how you know it's legit if it's cash only. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't remember. No, I used a credit card. Okay. Um, 
Favorite Radiohead song? Either No Alarms, No Surprises, or that song at the end of season one of The Bear, or that song, I Don't Want to Be Your Friend, I Just Want to Be Your Lover, which is the first song maybe mm-hmm. on the uh, history, not history of fish. What was that called? No, it's the one after Kid or, A. Um, that, those would be my top okay. three. And then um, on the bends, I mean, I, obviously Fake Plastic Trees. Oh, of course. Just, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are my, those would be four. I cannot listen to Fake Plastic Trees even years later without... Uh, Getting a little bit teary-eyed, especially when he talks yes. about the surgeon. Yeah, my daughter just started listening to Radiohood, so I often see it coming oh. here in her bedroom, and I always hear it coming down the hallway and think, oh, she's going to be fine. Is she listening to the catalog in order, making her way through there? Mm, the Benz is the one that jumped out to her. It makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Benz, uh, she lis- the Smiths, the Cure. What did I hear the other day mm. that I was like, oh, she's... Yeah, so she, so it's great. Has she uh, gotten into Velvet Underground then? Much? No, oh, no, but lots okay. of Olivia, Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, oh, nineteen seventy-five. Okay. Yes. Um, oh, nineteen seventy. Oh, yes. Yeah. We went oh, and saw them recently. Big one. You know their song "I Like America, American Likes Me," oh, based off the Joseph Boys performance piece. I have that tattoo right here on my arm. It's the best. Do you really? Oh, I have so you to know show what I'm it to you. About. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maddie Healy interviews. I feel like should be a required listening for absolutely. Citizens. You said you went and saw them in concert. Best show Recently. ever, and I've seen a lot of shows. When he walks through the TV with the, I, I, literally started crying. Kristen, Amazing. Kristen was like, "Is he okay? I've heard he's been drinking." And it's I was it's like, all a bit. It's all a bit. When I was like, I, "No, Hank, stay with it." The yeah. fact that he did that, they did that, and held the line. Yeah. On that scale. Yes. Like in a black yes. box theater in a basement somewhere. Yes. But in an arena, he stuck to it, and then mm-hmm. in the second half. The catharsis, mm-hmm. my God, it's amazing. So our our listeners have a we have this entire debate happening always between Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift because our very first episode, me and Savannah, Savannah being a Taylor Swift fan, kind of mm-hmm. a Taylor Swift fan, mm-hmm. me being a massive, yes, nineteen seventy five fan, massive Maddie Healy mm-hmm. fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I told her I was not a fan of Taylor Swift's music. Me being very disconnected from yes, well, it caused rifts because yeah, mm-hmm, literally eighty mm-hmm. percent of our viewership is mm-hmm. is women. Them is so again, funny words. Yes. Oh, we heard it in the comments. Heard it in the comments. Yeah. But then yeah. literally the next day they started dating, quote unquote. So that started a whole thing for us. But um, yeah, that's this a whole discussed often oh, in our home. Yes, we have a, a long running discussion about all of this. Also, the flasks that he drinks out of—they're all full of electrolytes during the concert. <laughs> Many things are just, uh, what does he call it? Black pill art. They're just movements. Isn't that amazing? I've heard that the wine is Gatorade. It's it's red Gatorade that he drinks. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, okay. Is ketchup on hot dogs, is that, is that a sin? We need to know from. What's a sin? No, I knew what you want. I knew what you want, but probably should ask questions about the hot dog before you ask questions about <laughs> yeah. the ketchup. Yes. <laughs> um, before the horse there. Beyond hot, uh, beyond sausage or beyond mm-hmm. meat, they make hot dogs now. Mm-hmm. Tastes amazing. Amazing. Oh, interesting. Okay. My wife's a vegan, so she goes okay. after them. I'm um, super good. Super good. Um, last question is, I feel like this is going to be five books. This certain 
package of what what do we call in the universe? Do we have a name yet? Mm, I think it's where'd you park your spaceship? That's gonna be the okay. Yeah, and I think then there's just the different. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Is the spaceship universe then? Um, well, like you think about Peeble, Born's wife, mm-hmm. who's the doctor. Okay, yeah. A thrive. She's a guide in a thrival, which apparently right. means which I thought was fascinating. Doctor. The pamphlet, so, all that. Yeah. Uh, when you go to be to have her be your doctor, she's written a pamphlet called "How We Health." Right. Because health yeah. is a verb for her. So yeah. it feels like you should be able to read that pamphlet. Um, people keep asking Bobby Freelance what it is he does, this conflict negotiation thing that he does. So it feels like he needs to write a self-help book called You Just Got Bobby Freelance. Okay, I was going to make a recommendation that he gets doesn't his like, like own should, show. Doesn't it feel like he should just give you like, here are my 11 rules? Yeah, yeah. Um, he needs his own tool time. <laughs> yeah, so he, he feels like just a short little punchy thing from him called you just got bobby freelance he feels right <laughs> and then um that should be a podcast like a like a, a yeah. mock podcast and then like think. nord in the beginning heen's friend writes a play called what's a nucka and my first Which place on what's a nucka right? so yeah you can actually we publish that as a book so you can actually the play that's referred to actually is a play and you can get that play and read it so it also seems like uh once heen mentions his mechanic Mm. Gunsick. Um, but it just seems like Gunsick ought to write something called On Flying, like Stephen uh, oh. <laughs> King's On Writing. Yes. Just seems like a short little thing, okay. which is might already be written, which yeah. is just Gunsick's reflections on technology, aesthetics, design, and the relationship mm. between a human and their spaceship, mm. which actually becomes how. Um, we relate to our machines, which I think that would be a really interesting oh, thing. So oh, there okay. might be also, there might be a whole, um, there might also, who knows, be a print um, coming of the brown ball to put in your house. <laughs> I will be first. Make sure there's pre-orders because I will be the first one on there. Oh my gosh. Isn't that fun to oh, think about? This is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so who would, who would I be to give you a number? <laughs> I am so excited for this. Oh my gosh. Uh, Rob, thank you for being with us today. Uh, before I we, loved it. Before we end, I do just want to say um, on behalf of many people like myself and many people, most people, if not all the people that watch this podcast, that listen to this podcast, um, we love this new iteration of work that you're in. Mm. We love the piece that you were in. Mm. I know many people probably tell you that they are thankful for all the work you did in the past. I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing right now because the world also needs that. Mm, Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. All right, Holy Hell fam. Thank you guys so much. Peace and love. We'll see you in the next episode. I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be somebody, but we love you all. Much love. Later.